You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. What's up, guys? Welcome to Podcast PXN, episode 33. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, aka Dan is DTM on Twitter, and I am joined by the pride of PlayStation over Discord, Sean Babiak. Sean, what in the world is going on with Halo Infinite? We have more Halo stuff to talk about today. How excited are you? Two things. One, you are incredibly loud. Oh, my God. God, I had to turn down my speakers. Sorry. (laughs) And two, I just want to preface this when you get into the topic of the show. I succeeded to letting him have this episode. I want to be very clear with that. I had no intentions of having this episode, but Daniel was uber excited, and you cannot contain him. You cannot contain me at all. Uh, (laughs) Just as a reminder, we are live each and every week on YouTube. Just search podcast PXN and you will find us on there. Thank you to everyone watching us live in the chat. Uh, The topic of the show this week is the two rumored Xbox events along with some Halo Infinite rumors to kind of go along with that as well. Uh, But first, the show always starts with the PXN News of the Week, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Right, Sean? Uh, Crisis remastered has been announced so that was the news last week that we uh we were waiting on we were waiting on this news uh coming to ps4 xbox one pc and switch oddly enough uh but all all those platforms getting crisis remastered what do you think about this i i don't know i was i guess more excited for the simple fact of the possibility of a new one but I guess we should have known with the Switch that that was no way at all going to happen. That was pretty much kind of the, I don't know, the iceberg, if you will. Like, we should have realized, okay, there's this little bit at the top, maybe some hope. The down at the bottom, no, it's just remasters. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, that's cool, for, especially for a lot of people that haven't played these games. Mm-hmm. I know they came to um, the PS3 uh, and Xbox 360, if I remember correctly. Yep, yep, um, I played on 360. Yeah, I, that's why I, I think I played at least the second one. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it is really cool for a lot of gamers that didn't get this, uh, ever get the chance to play this, because you and I were talking about how this used to be a benchmark series for graphics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the fact um, that the Switch can handle this game is incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd be surprised. Because I actually almost, almost, a few weeks ago, bought The Witcher 3 on Switch. Yeah. Because I saw some sort of, like, crazy deal. But then I, like, started watching videos of it. And that game is one of the games that I feel like I would love to look at continuously. And oh, yeah. I decided not to. Yeah, that, that's, like, the type of game that you, like, Crisis is what I'm talking about. Is the type of game that you get like specifically for how beautiful that game is like i just don't feel like the switch would do that game justice i don't know maybe they'll do something magical with that port but uh yeah i I would agree yeah i mean it's like i said i think it's just cool that people get to play it but yeah i I think you you've made mention to this how it's it's going to be a very odd world come this fall when the switch will be It'll sound weird to say, but almost a generation and a half behind mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in terms of graphical fidelity and power. Yep. But Nintendo at least can always make it work. It's just are other developers going to do the same? Yeah. No, that's kind of what Nintendo's mantra has been the last few generations. It's pretty much their uh, content, and that's it. I mean, uh, obviously Switch got a little bit better with ports, but uh, Wii U generation was pretty much only... Uh, first party titles so yeah that's in a sense all i bought right yeah so i don't know that's interesting uh moving on to our next news story uh jason schreier from kutaku uh he's the guy who always breaks like big news in the industry that we are often reporting about uh so like he's i think he's uh uh, leaked every single uh assassin's creed game in the last 10 years (laughs) Because he's the uh, most respected journalist in the in the game, I would say. Yeah, absolutely, and he's always got the scoop. He's basically the Jeff Keeley of game news reporting, um, I'd say. 
is a good comparison. Uh, but he's leaving Kotaku, and he has joined Bloomberg News. So I thought this was a, kind of an interesting news story because uh, Jason Schreier, he had a very loud voice when it came to uh, the parent company to Kotaku being like a um, big conglomeration type that they had some disputes. I can't remember what the disputes were about, but... Uh, they had some kind of disputes going on, and I feel like that might be why he wanted to leave Kotaku. But then he's joining another giant uh, media conglomerate in Bloomberg, which is, I don't know, I guess that's kind of a weird uh, place to move to because they don't even really do much with games. So uh, Besides kinda... leaked PS4, P- PS5 stuff, apparently. Yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> which, which we will talk about next, but... Uh, I just thought that was interesting. I, I guess they're just trying to build like a, a game section at Bloomberg, I, I would imagine. Uh, he did say something about like their tech team editors uh, telling him that they appreciated his coverage of the video game industry's uh, labor issues right now, like with uh, with crunch and all of that going on. So uh, what, what do you think about that? Well, one and... You actually made mention on this on last week's episode, so I kind of think it's funny. But I really don't have a reason to go to Kotaku now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> Not true. to be that type of guy that just follows one journalist, but you and I always talk about how well he does for them, and again, much respected in the entire industry. I don't think anybody can do the type of job he does and yeah. do it so unbiased if that makes any sense oh i agree um, I, I any of his articles i never feel like he is taking the gamer side or taking the company side or the developers he is just delivering the news straight up to you yeah um so it's, it's always refreshing um the other thing that i'm really kind of sticks out of my mind bloomberg is obviously a very known uh in, uh news corporation um obviously or infamously uh, Bloomberg failing in his presidential campaign. Right. Um, yeah. But it, in my mind, this means that finally we're getting more serious talk of gaming in news coverage. Um, so many media outlets have movie TV reviews, and that's the only media they focus on. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Daniel, how long has it been known that movie or sorry, games outmake both movies and um television combined yeah i mean forever yeah exactly so it it makes sense i guess to get the top person in the industry as far as journalists yeah and to have him basically give that lead to them for a industry that in my mind at this point is only booming i mean Mm -hmm. what you can't even get a switch like yeah it feels like we're back in the Wii launch days you can't find a switch at all yeah, it Animal is Crossing is blowing up. I've seen like just like regular people that I don't ever see talk about video games tweeting out that they're playing Animal Crossing. I'm like, what the heck? What's going yeah, on exactly. here? Yeah, and you can't you can't find PS4s. Um, you can't find at least the Xbox One S uh, in stock. Uh, which at this point you should get an X if you get an Xbox. Anyways, the deal's too good to pass up. Yeah, but. Like, it's just crazy how, like, video games are really coming into their own just due to this pandemic. No one, you don't really have much to do. Yeah. Um, and it's a hobby you and I have always loved. So is everybody that's probably listening to this podcast. So it's going to just continue getting bigger after this whole thing. Which I wonder, I wonder if this whole thing blowing up, the timing of it blowing up now rather than, like, blowing up in the fall or something I wonder if that will actually hurt next-gen sales because, like, everyone's buying a bunch of uh, old consoles now. Like, are they going to want to buy another console here in, in, what, like six months or so? Uh, That's kind of interesting to think about it that way. But, like, the mainstream, you know, person playing video games may not necessarily care about Xbox Series X or PlayStation 5. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see your point of view. I mean, we'll go into it a little bit, but just due to the pricing um, and probably lack thereof, um, that could be a very big selling point for people to why or non-selling point of why am I going to get this new box? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other thing to think of is, and we've said this a million times, is your PS4, your Xbox One games are going to be working on the next gen and yeah. essentially vice versa because they have both stated they are not making for the first year 
uh, current gen at that point games. Right. Yeah. Exclusive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you really, the only thing you have to essentially lose, and maybe this is kind of where you and I step in, is that conversation, that experience of being with people in a launch year. Mm hmm. Yep. Absolutely. And I don't think that this will necessarily affect like you and I are like the enthusiasts out there. But yeah, it that's definitely interesting if it'll uh, if it'll affect like mainstream sales. Um, yeah. But- and maybe that's why Bloomberg got ahead of this and made Trier an offer because of what's coming this fall, knowing how consoles technically never died, even though I guarantee Bloomberg was one of those companies that said it was going to die. Right. Yeah, um, but maybe now seeing okay, not only are they not dying, they're thriving. Mm-hmm. Because I don't even care as much crap as I'll say about Xbox One being behind, they're still doing freaking amazing. Like yeah. so, it, it's just astronomical. I think what's going to continue with gaming culture. Yeah, I agree. Uh, kind of to piggyback off of that. Speaking of Bloomberg, uh, there's a new Bloomberg report actually that says. Uh, PlayStation 5 is going to have far fewer units produced in the first year than PS4's launch. Um, And there is a few reasons why they said it. Um, They they talked about uh, their COVID-19 affected PR plans and that uh, Sony may end up foregoing a press conference for PlayStation 5's release date and their price point. Uh, So they may do something like just like a digital thing that the video that they put out um for that but uh they they said that game developers are currently anticipating 499 to 549 PlayStation 5 price point which is interesting uh it seems a little bit higher than what i was imagining but if it's 500 uh i think again we could see a situation where both consoles are 500 and have a little bit more uh of a decision coming from the consumer when they're the same price uh, but also PlayStation 4 Pro and regular PS4 price cuts were considered as well. So the interesting thing, they almost cited their price point as not like a COVID-19 deal, like not like limited supplies issue, but as a uh, situation where they don't f- anticipate the economic market being at a place where consumers who are going to want to spend a ton of money uh next generation so they're kind of lowering their expectations for how many they're going to sell because their price point is a lot higher if if it's five hundred dollars it's a hundred dollars more than what the playstation 4 was at launch which in my eyes that's obviously more uh what microsoft did with their pr strategy for xbox one it was awful and they ruined that but I think another huge thing to Sony's advantage last generation was that $100 uh, difference in price point for the first, what, like two years. It was two years that uh, the Kinect stayed bundled with the Xbox One until they took it out. And uh, that that's a huge advantage, a $100 difference, because someone looks at a $100 less box, they're going to buy that. So I would agree. I mean, that's why you had so many converters of the 360 days. I don't buy into the whole, it was all Call of Duty. I believe it was more just due to money. Well, no, it wasn't because if you remember at the start of this generation, Microsoft still had their uh, marketing agreement with Activision because Call of Duty Ghosts and... Best one in the series. Oh, no. Call of Duty Duty Ghosts, Call of Duty Ghosts, and the one after that, I believe. I know Ghosts for sure, but I don't know about the one after that, was still on Microsoft's uh, marketing plan. Which it Ghost, ran out after Ghost. Did it? Okay, so Ghost yeah. was the last one, but that launched with the uh, Xbox One and PS4. So uh, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't cite that at all as a reason. Um, no, and I just say that anecdotally. Um, I mean, it's very interesting how this is. For one, let's be clear, it's not been confirmed or at all. This is just oh, yeah. a reported leak, more right. or less. Um, I think it's interesting that they are anticipating a economic struggle because um, in my mind, this is all still very new. Mm-hmm. Um, this is only essentially a month and a half old as far as across the world besides China um, that is dealing with this COVID-19 stuff. So 
I, I feel like this this price point was in mind beforehand. It yep. would just be the wording of it had to be tailored to now the world that we're in. Sure. Um, and I don't have, and let me be clear, I don't have a problem with either one of these boxes' price points. Um, mostly because I understand that as we get further and further into whatever a next gen is, that's kind of what I'm anticipating. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree when it came to PS3, 600 for the box, way too much. Um, at that time, I would agree Xbox One, 500 for the box with that Kinect packed in. That was way too much. Yeah. But this time around, I I understand that both of them are around 500. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. The power is just significantly higher in obviously like inflation and stuff like that. People tend to forget. I forget. Like this generation was seven years ago. That's crazy to think about. But it. It was seven years ago, and obviously things go up in price over time. Um, and I feel like we've had a pretty consistent uh, console price point um, within that four hundred to five hundred dollar window. So I, I don't feel like this is definitely out of proportion at all. Uh, no, no. I think as we've already talked about, I think the most important, or not important, but the most interesting thing to watch is to see like what happens between xbox and playstation's price points i think that's the most interesting thing uh to come out of all of this and how does that fit in and is series s going to happen and what's that going to be priced at and it's just there's a lot of factors that are very interesting this gen yeah and i can only imagine that and again i don't have any data or anything to back that up it's just gut feeling but I have a feeling this isn't the last we've heard of possible shortages when it comes to supplies because factories are still shut down across the world. Um, so I could understand, like, I know maybe it'll be Sony coming out of the gate first saying that, but mm. I don't, Microsoft is kind of getting the same microchips and all those, those, those stuff, those parts yeah. from the same area. So I can see them almost going the same route probably tailoring it a little better as far as the PR speech because Phil Spencer does a better job I think in tailoring news even if it's bad news mm -hmm. like you didn't think the um, uh, what's it called the dragon game uh, that I actually wanted to play dragon. that got cancelled oh uh, 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 crap uh, my god <laughs> scale bound <laughs> scale bound thank you yeah like, he did not tailor it so Scalebound was this utter disaster. He just basically said it's not living up to the standards we want right. for a first-part game. Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, that makes sense completely. Yeah, so. so I don't know. It'll be very interesting. The one thing I will say as far as for myself mm -hmm. as a gamer, yep. it would really, if by chance the PS5 ends up being higher priced than the Xbox X, or Xbox Series X, sorry, uh, it would make me kind of think, Granted, as you know, I want a PS5. Like that's my console choice. But yeah. if it is a cheaper price point, I could look at it almost just like I did the Xbox One in this generation. Where, cool, when the games come out that I want, that's when I'll buy that system. Right, and we don't even know what Sony has at launch yet. Like we ha we know a couple of Xbox exclusives. We have no idea what PlayStation exclusives we're getting as of yet. I would imagine something like Horizon sequel and. Uh, maybe something to supplement it, but we just don't know right now. So, still Last kinda... of Us Part Two. Yeah, I mean that could be very well could be. They better not make me buy it a second time <laughs> if it <laughs> if it doesn't come out uh, after that. Who who knows? It might launch. With I PS5. think it'll be like a Breath of the Wild type thing. I... You can either get it on your PS4 or your PS5. I honestly hope they do that. I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but we did, yeah. yeah. Um, moving on, uh, Sony, uh, to kind of piggyback on this, Sony has filed a patent for a robotic gaming companion that reacts to your emotions. So, this is kind of weird because, like, with all the stuff that Sony has going on with PSVR and PS5 and all of that stuff, they come up with a, a companion, robotic companion, obviously this is just a patent, it's not an actual product right now, but... 
I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> Who is this catered towards? I'm not really sure. Like, it's literally, if you look at the image for the patent, it's like a little character that looks, like, goofy looking, sitting next to you on the couch while you're playing a game. And it's kind of, I'm just trying to think, like, what uses you could make out of that. I don't. It's for people that never got over Rob the Robot for the Nintendo system. <laughs> is that what it That's is? That's all it is. That's all it is for. Yeah. I mean, I will give Sony this. Recently, they've been very successful in their peripherals department. Mm-hmm. Um, PSVR is a success. Um, but again, I, I, I kind of echo your statements. Who is this for? What is this for? Yeah, is this just something that they're they develop the technology and they're just like, hey, let's just keep it to ourselves type deal. Yeah, and that's um, possible because companies yeah. do that stuff all the time. The only thing that kind of makes me nervous that it could be real is this generation really coming up seems like they want to figure out the most immersive way to have you in a game. Do you remember? I, I and I don't know if you do, but there used to be a commercial a long time ago when the PS2 launched. Uh-huh. For the PS9. PS9. Um, yeah, it was a very famous commercial because it was like a it was like a kid running around these buildings, shooting guards and all this stuff, and like doing like gamey things. And then he suddenly takes off his health headset, and they said, and then it flashes a PS9 logo, and then it says coming soon. But then the PS2. What? So the... it was what? It it was like something in the early 2000s, but it was always a commercial <laughs> that stuck out with me. So like is this their lead up to PS9? Like, is this how they get you into the game? <laughs> no. Like, the, remember that movie Gamer? What with, if, uh, yes, with, uh, 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 shoot. The 300 guy. I can't remember yeah, his name. Yeah. Gerard can't. Butler. Yeah. There we go. Yep. Uh, like, that's what it feels like Sony's trying to lead us to. What, what if this robot is actually the PS9 and you have to put the discs into its mouth? I would buy it just for the hilarity, then. <laughs> that would sell oh, me on it. God. All right. Well, let's just uh, let's just hope that this isn't actually going to come to fruition because I really, I yeah, I don't see the added benefit to this thing. And you have to imagine how much this thing would cost. Like what, three hundred bucks for a peripheral? I don't know. Possibly, and also it would really do would be a speaker in a sense. Like that's yeah. just all I'm kind of thinking of. Yeah, it's very bizarre. But anyways, just a patent, so... Remember, it is a Japanese company. Yeah, true. They make weird games. They do make (laughs) weird games. They make weird peripherals. Yep. So you never know. True. Uh, Moving on, Mick Gordon uh, from uh, Doom fame is not returning for the next Doom game. Uh, It's being reported. uh, He actually announced it himself. Uh, so he's the one responsible for all the Doom soundtracks uh, in the last few years, uh, Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal. Uh, so this is kind of this kind of sucks because like all of his soundtrack stuff in Doom Eternal sounds freaking amazing. I love that soundtrack and even Doom 2016 as well. But like Doom Eternal has so many different variations from the history of Doom that you can collect, and it's so awesome to hear all of them. Like. I was just going through like on the walls where it collects the soundtracks or whatever, like the vinyls and you go through and play them at your home hub base. Like that's super cool just to do that. So I hope whoever replaces him still does as good of a job as what he did. Cause man, that doom soundtrack is, is iconic. I will say that is the bummer of the week. Yeah. Um, that I was telling you this before the, uh, the show, like, I listen to the first soundtrack like like twice a week. I, I just love the soundtrack itself. I'm not even like playing the game. I'm just listening to the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, obviously, as somebody who loves metal music, and especially the way that he incorporates it, mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, um, it is just an amazing uh, way that he like, you, you just feel so much more in the action. Like you hear that constant like bass in the background oh, yeah. when you're just kind of walking around exploring. And then you know shit's about to go crazy when you hear that guitar kind of slide down and rip. Mm-hmm. And then just the whole entire time while you're in that fight, it's just escalating while you're just getting crazier and crazier with your stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> that was my yeah, impression. Yeah, it, it, it is. Like, Rip and Tear is such yeah. a great theme song. 
Yeah. Like, it's then it will be hard to replace him. And, like, even when you're playing the game, it feels <laughs> like you're timing, like, all of your kills, like the glory kills and stuff, it feels like you're timing it to the music, too, because it's so, it's so chaotic and fast-paced, and the gameplay is so chaotic and fast-paced that it really feels like it melds perfectly. So Oh, yeah, it's, it's guttural in that sound. Yeah, so good, so... Hopefully, whoever replaces him does a decent job there. Um, moving on, uh, you hadn't seen this news, which I was surprised about because this is right up your alley. Uh, Mario Maker 2 got a new update uh, announced, and it's actually coming out today. It's already out today. Uh, I just read that. I thought it was out later next week or something, but it's out today, and the new update essentially has a ton of new items in the game and some new mechanics as well. Like one of the one of the cool mechanics that I saw was uh, like this tube thing that. Like, you can uh, basically throw stuff in the tube, and it follows the tube up around wherever you create the tube path, and then it can cause something else to happen, almost like Rube Goldberg-type things. But uh, they announced that. They announced some new uh, items like the frog suit and, and the flying suit as well. Uh, they also announced the biggest thing they announced was, uh, actually the new super, uh, world maker mode. So essentially you can create your own Mario game inside of Mario maker now. So before you could just create levels and you could publish those levels for people to play. Well, now you can take those levels and put it into a, uh, overworld like every traditional, uh, 2d Mario game has been where you travel through the overworld to each level, like 1-1, one, 1-2, one, one, 1-3, one, etc. And then you just go through till the end of the castle. And I think this is awesome, because this, this is just enabling creators to basically go crazy with whatever they want to create for Mario Maker now. They can create their own Mario games. Like, this is awesome. Oh, I definitely want to jump in, because you can only imagine what some of these people are creating with downtime at home right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, easily. And yeah. so I'm looking at the footage. Some of the new stuff is really cool. Like you can, uh, you can use like the bullet dude. Uh, I forget what the, they call that. Bullet I guess bill. bullet bill. Yeah. You can control that. So like you can, uh, use him to platform through, uh, stages. Uh, that's one of the new, new items as well. Uh, there's a lot of new, uh, enemies. I think all of the, uh, traditional Bowser enemies, like the little guys, his children, I guess, are, are they there? His children? I'm not sure. Oh God! Don't go and don't try to dissect that canonically. They're yeah. not his children, but the oh. only children of his is Bowser Jr. It's, oh. it's weird. It's weird. Oh, okay. Well, the whatever you want to call the his min, minions are all in it as well that you can add uh, to the overworld as well. So there's some really cool things. Nintendo tweeted out a video that I definitely recommend you checking out if you have Mario Maker or if you're interested in checking it out. There's a lot of stuff in there. So. Yeah, I, I definitely need to. Um, I, maybe when I get a chance after Final Fantasy VII, I will. Yep, for sure. Uh, moving on to the last news story. This is just kind of a, I don't know, housekeeping thing. Uh, the Xbox Series X logo has been revealed. So, obviously, uh, this this logo isn't going to appear like physically on the console or anything. This is just like essentially marketing material so anytime you see xbox series x it'll have this um this logo so i mean the logo looks like a logo (laughs) it says it says series x and and it has like the x like with the cross through the x i mean it's it's a logo if you you look inside of it it'll tell you the price yeah release date oh that would be releasing that would be funny actually if they did that because uh what was that um, they did some, they did a video last year before E3 and I can't remember it teased something. Um, trying to think what it teased. I can't remember. They showed a, a video before E3 last year and it was to tease one of their announcements. They had it in like the, uh, background of the scenery, like detailing their <laughs> Xbox E3 event and in the lights in the background, they had something flash up like very subtly that no one noticed for a while. And then they found it and they're like, Oh, that's an Easter egg for the conference. I can't remember what it was, but, uh, yeah, that would be funny if they had something like that in this logo review. I don't think they do, but 
Yeah, that would be funny. We'll find out next week after data miners get a hold of it. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, moving on to the games we are playing. So uh, the games we are playing episode for me this week is going to uh, basically make it seem like I am now a PC gamer. <laughs> so uh, I've been playing a lot of PC games uh, this week. So the first one I've been playing, uh, Valorant. I got a beta key from Riot. Um, basically, you have to watch Twitch streams of people playing uh, Valorant in order to get a, a, a key. So I got one and played a few matches of it. It is a lot of fun. Like it is essentially, if you think about Overwatch uh, combined with Counter Strike, that's essentially what it is. It is really good. I I definitely recommend people uh, checking it out. If you haven't seen it before, check it out on Twitch. Uh, there's a lot of cool things in there. The gunplay is very much um, Counter Strike, but then it has a they have abilities in there like Overwatch, where you have like a healing character, you have uh, like an assault character that has like assault abilities. You can put up walls. You can there's all kinds of stuff that the uh, characters have. It's really fun game though. They're really enjoying it so far. Uh, the next one I have is uh, I've been playing MCC Insider, which that's Master Chief Collection, of course. Uh, Halo 2 on PC. So they just released a test build on Friday. Uh, they started Friday, and I think it runs through this Thursday, maybe, um, or Friday. Um, and essentially, they're testing Halo 2 on PC. That's the next game to be released in Master Chief Collection on PC. And it plays phenomenally on PC. Uh, it's really it. Honestly, Halo 2 Anniversary is the one game that I feel like it feels like it, it was made for PC in Master Chief Collection so far. That's come out for PC. Like that that game is really good, and obviously OG Halo 2 still holds up really really well as well. So. I would imagine that will probably officially launch next week because it it's gone very well actually. It's gone smoother than CE and Reach did uh, on PC, so I think that will probably launch sometime next week, uh, according to um, you know what's going on with that with that test. Uh, my final game that I've been playing, of course, Valorant kind of made me get in, get back into this. I used to play Counter Strike back in the day, but I've been playing Counter-Strike Global Offensive on PC as well. That game still holds up extremely well. Came out in 2011, I believe. And that game is just, it's really good. Like, you just cannot discount how good Valve is at making games. That game came out almost 10 years ago, and it still holds up incredibly well. And I had a lot of fun playing Counter-Strike again. However, I will put the disclaimer that I probably won't be playing it for a little bit now because I just saw today that there's a uh, new, that their source code was leaked and there's a new exploit that people can uh, basically take over your PC uh, while playing Counter-Strike. So I'm going to probably, yes, yeah, it's a major security problem right now, so I'm probably not going to play it for a little bit until they uh, figure that out, um, but. Yeah, that's uh, insane. <laughs> it's a major problem, yeah, so that's my Jeez. games, I'm, I'm now a PC gamer, sorry. Yeah, I guess so, so the P is no longer for PlayStation. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Xbox, <laughs> place. Oh, wait, I screwed it up already. PC, <laughs> Xbox, Nintendo. Wait, I don't even know what my end pocket. Wait, PC. Oh, yeah, that was right. That was right. Jesus okay. Christ. All right. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Um, so I have nothing new. Final Fantasy VII, but I, I wish I could say I play. I played. I beat it. I maybe did like an hour more this week. Uh, unfortunately, I was helping my parents move in, and with work still being a little crazy, uh, dealing with all that stuff. Um, I did want to say something though, real quick. Um, before I, I do want to beat Final Fantasy VII, obviously, but dude, I've been seeing so many freaking videos of God of War, um, the PS4. Yeah. I really want to go back to it. Like, Ooh. super want to go back to That's it. That's a beefy and game. It is. It is. And especially because, like, I unlocked hard mode, so I want to play it on that. And that game was already decently challenging at times. Yeah, for sure. So I kind of want to do that adventure, but I've also been trying to talk myself into going back and 
uh, playing Spider-Man again as well. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, and I, I've never played the DLC. I know it was decent. Like, yeah. I know it wasn't what people were hoping, but at the same time, it's DLC. You're just getting extra. You're not getting the game. Yeah. Um, I guess unless you're CD Projekt Red. Well, that's true. Uh, so, But yeah, I, I do want to get back into that eventually, but hopefully I'll have more to say about Final Fantasy next week. Cool. Uh, moving on uh, to our topic of the show. So our topic of the show this week, there are a lot of rumors right now uh, saying that there are two Xbox events that are coming up in the next couple months. So the first one is apparently coming in May. Ob- again, these are these are all leaks and speculation. None of this is confirmed. The first event is coming in May, showing hardware and possibly Halo Infinite gameplay and Fable reboot, as well as maybe Forza, I'm hearing as well. But uh, alongside all of the hardware announcements, which the hardware announcements one is the one that throws me because I'm like, they've already pretty much revealed Xbox Series X. I mean, what else do they have to reveal about it? And then I was like, well, obviously, if if they don't really have a lot to talk about Series X, then maybe they're going to announce Series S that has been heavily speculated, the uh, lower-end model of next-gen. Uh, so if they announce that, as well as some gameplay from next-gen games like Halo, I will flip out if we get some freaking Halo, finally. Uh, that would be incredible. Uh, and then their second event, according to this would be in june to replace e3 so essentially the one in june would just be their e3 conference that they would have had uh if that was still taking place um so that's all interesting there was also in that same report there was a something that said that there would be a new exclusive ip from a japanese studio which i know Phil has talked about in the past wanting to add like a Japanese studio to his portfolio because obviously Xbox doesn't really make any ground up in Japan. They are they're always dead last in Japan. So uh, that's definitely interesting as well. I have a ton of uh, uh, Halo stuff that we can go over, but we can talk about the uh, Xbox stuff first. Um, so. I think this format is kind of interesting, and I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. What do you think that they would show off in that first event uh, other than, you know, hardware? I'm just not sure what else they would show hardware-related other than, like, another console. So I I think you're right as far as Halo, um, and I also believe Forza. I think it's still too early to mention maybe mention that the fable reboot hey it's official even though we all know it's official yeah um maybe announce it i still think it's too early to show anything off and i don't think it's a launch game no 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 Um, it's not gonna be launch yeah because it just doesn't seem fable is so i don't want to say niche but that's kind of the only word i could think of because it, it it's a very beloved first and second game much maligned third game yeah peter Um, molyneux ugh yeah so it, it's it's not like a system seller, whereas Halo would be. Right. I remember um, Halo 3 lines for Xbox 360 were more about people having a copy of Halo 3 than they were about getting the actual console. Yeah, So I, I think in that sense, it's going to be those two games focused as far as Forts and Halo. Probably some sort of third-party deal. Um, Capcom's recently been giving them a lot of love. I mean, mm. Devil May Cry 5 was shown on their stage first. True. Uh, Maybe Assassin's so, uh, Creed, Ragnarok? Possibly. Um, that I think that's going to be probably the biggest get for whoever does an event. I was kind of thinking that because NBA, I don't, we obviously still don't know what happened with NBA, um, and that's normally announced during that time. Yeah. That I think. I honestly think uh, IGN is going to get that grab for their summer. I think it's is it summer show. I can't remember what it's called again. Uh, summer of gaming is it? That might be what it is. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really see that being their get, but I mean that wouldn't be a bad one for Xbox to have too. Yeah, I agree. And Assassin's yeah. Creed is the franchise that kind of they go back and forth between being on Xbox and PlayStation stage. I know. Like, there's a bunch of games that were on PlayStation stage, like, uh, I believe Origins was on their stage, but then Odyssey was on Xboxes, or maybe vice versa. 
but and I know Uni- Unity and Syndicate were on Xbox. Uh, place th- or yeah, sorry, uh, Black Flag was on Sony's. Yes, yep. So it's it, they keep going back and forth. So we that's definitely a possibility. Um, yeah. As far as the Halo Infinite stuff, there is, uh, and you did mention Halo Three. Let me give you the credit for that. Uh, Halo Infinite, in case you didn't That's all know, you're getting from me. Halo Infinite, in case you didn't know, is 343's Halo 3. Did you know that, Sean? I didn't. I still, you're like that girl from, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Mean Girls, where you're trying to make fetch happen. You're trying to make this happen. I, I'm just saying, Sean, it is logistically their Halo 3. It's their third game that they've made, so... I'm just I'm just pointing out some similarities well, there. Well, Halo Five wasn't the success of Halo Two. Let's be real. Well, it was divisive, like Halo Halo Two was back in the day. Halo Two was very divisive because of uh, Arbiter taking half of the missions until Which was pe- stupid because his missions were actually better than the Chiefs in that game. Yeah, and I, Arbiter was a great character, but in the time in that time, it was a very controversial decision uh, for them to make, and people were very surprised about it about it at the time. Um, but obviously, Halo Five is divisive because of how bad the campaign is in general. Um, but anyways, uh, anyways, Halo Infinite. There is a four chan uh, post that has kind of detailed some things normally this kind of stuff like this kind of stuff comes up a lot like it it comes up with a lot of things but with me being in the halo community and following this a lot this is one that kind of peaked up to the top and kind of grabbed my attention because a lot of what they're saying in here makes sense as to where i thought 343 would have to go for halo infinite and kind of be that next step in the in the franchise so this i'm just going to read a a few things out here and and kind of go over them but there's apparently going to be 25 main missions uh totaling a total of 20 hour campaign and 35 side missions for an additional 15 hours of of the campaign so that in total that's 35 hours of campaign content and, and that's not including collectibles easter eggs or anything like that um this is very interesting because every single halo game has been like 10 or 11 missions or less and like for them to essentially over double that size of scope and just the main missions and then they're adding obviously side missions as well that's a substantial increase for that for that game and you might say well why would they do it that big well the reason is the game has been in development for five years now for one and for two they keep talking about how they want to harp back to the original franchise and the original game and the original game gave you that sense of exploration and having large environments and basically feeling like you could explore anything and i feel like that's the angle they're going for uh their initial reveal trailer shows chief out in this gigantic open space and then he takes the warthog and starts driving across the ring in this giant open space i think that's a very good indication of what we're going to see from halo's campaign in infinite and this kind of backs that up in that regard the interesting thing so those side missions that i referred to so you can play the campaign just the main missions and you'll play chief throughout the entire campaign all 25 missions according to this report all 25 missions will be uh, master chief only and then you will have the side missions that will consist of a ton of of uh featured characters so essentially you play as these featured characters in the side missions that supplement the main story so basically you see things that you didn't see playing as chief in the same time that you're doing the main missions for chief so like this is exciting because the halo character base like they are such good characters in that game you've got kelly linda fred who are obviously blue team from halo 5 those are those are great characters in the books they did not expand upon them well enough in halo 5 they were not very well fleshed out in halo 5 if you didn't know them from the books you would be like oh those are just you know character a b and c you wouldn't really care so they definitely have a lot to flesh out with them in the games you've got jerome 
uh, Alice and Douglas, which are all Spartans as well. Uh, Spartan Palmer from Halo 5 and Halo 4. Uh, Sp- Spartan Locke, yes, to our dismay, he's listed on here. Uh, Sean, do you Sorry, have a- I, I cut out my work. My work called me. My bad. Oh no, you're good. Do you have a comment on uh, on uh, Spartan Locke being in Halo Infinite? <laughs> Uh, I am hoping for continuous great things that he did in Halo 5, according to you. Again, I've yet to ever play it. Yeah. Um, Spartan Lock. I is... am super surprised about um, the side quest things. And I, I, you and I had this discussion. Yeah. It's the only thing that kind of upsets me about this, because obviously maybe me thinking more of an xbox series x at this moment yeah um halo would be a game that i would get regardless of how much i make fun of you for it um it would be a game that it, it's one of those must-have games you have to have that con- like breath of the wild yeah if you have a switch and don't have that which my friend chris does you're an insane person you don't make any sense of this world hell you should have two copies of it exactly that's what i'm saying um so that would be a game i do but i just don't like the side quest option only because i feel like it's an rpg mechanic and i am not for every game having rpg mechanics i think it should stay how it is but it is an interesting dichotomy of how it's developing it as far as okay it's a side quest but it's not a side quest all it is is almost a bonus mission yeah but it's it's told through a different lens of a character yeah essentially that's what it sounds like it's uh essentially just the same area that you're going through as chief but you're experiencing different things because you're seeing a different perspective in that same uh mission essentially uh so it just sounds interesting to me to be able to play as all of the characters because there's so many great characters as all the ones I listed as well as uh, I didn't get to Buck I love Buck Nathan Fillion could voice any character and I love him uh, <laughs> there's also Arbiter Arbiter's listed on here Atriox who is actually the main enemy in Halo Wars 2 and he's a brute so that's super interesting because you play as him you've never brutes have never been playable in halo so that would be super cool um and then after uh essentially after all that there's uh, some ambitious multiplayer plans as well that that uh were being talked about in here that apparently after you beat the campaign you unlock uh this exploration mode so essentially this lets you explore the open world environments without being restricted to the campaign and you get to use your multiplayer spartan instead of chief and the locations that you can visit are installation 07 04c which those are both halo installations um the ark which is the big spaceship looking thing from halo 3 uh earth and reach which that's very interesting if you can visit reach then there must be some kind of story element going to reach which the book that's coming in september is actually a a prequel to halo infinite and they've already confirmed that that game or that book takes place on reach so that's kind of interesting um but uh they also said one more location that they won't mention because it's a huge spoiler for the main story, which that's fine. I don't want to have my story spoiled. And also, they, as a side note, they said playable elites would return to multiplayer with full armor customization along with the introduction of playable brutes, which that would be interesting because obviously, as I just said, brutes have never been playable in Halo. And if they're going to make Atriox playable in the campaign, it just makes sense that you would have that character model for multiplayer as well. Uh, I kind of wonder, like, how are they going to balance, like, brutes versus elites versus Spartans uh, and what that kind of looks like. But, uh, but yeah, that, man, that sounds very, very interesting. Uh, <laughs> a lot of really cool stuff in, in this in this leak that I'm very excited about. And it just kind of harps back to what I was saying before that they are trying to make this the most complete Halo game to ever come out and make it as ambitious as they possibly can while still making it accessible to new players as well. And that that's another reason why I think those side missions might come in handy as well because 
not everyone may know about all of these side characters that I just mentioned, and maybe you playing as them in Halo Infinite, you'll get some more backstory on them, and you'll be like, oh, wow, I really like this character. Let me find out more about this character in this book or this book or whatever, whatever media it, that character comes from. I just think it's really cool, and I really, really hope that a lot of this, if not all of this, comes to fruition because... It is very, very exciting, and as I said before, Sean, this is 343's Halo 3. The only thing that I need them to do is keep their promise to go back to Couch Co-op. That's the only oh, thing yeah. that I want. Bonnie Ross uh, already confirmed that. Exactly, yeah, and they, uh, they admitted that in Halo 5 that was a mistake because yeah. they didn't think that many gamers still did it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I get that, but at the same time, like, why would you take it away? I, yeah. So as long as they still have that, that would definitely be something on my alley. TVs are only bigger, which means your space is only bigger. I get it. Graphic fidelity is more, mm -hmm. but still, I can only imagine, especially on your newish TV, like that'll just even look prettier. Oh yeah, yeah. I I cannot wait. I literally can't wait. All right. Any other thoughts? Um, no, I will say to round out the show, I am now only at maybe 65-35 in favor of the PS5 at the moment. Ooh, it, that, did that shift? It shifted, I mean, I was 100% on PS5. Uh, my issue is, is that I am hearing more and more about the Xbox, which gives me more and more confidence in the system. Yeah. Um, and PS5 has remained dead silent and, and it to me it's just an odd time yeah. in this world to be silent about your next gen hardware i get it you're number one but you made the same mistake going into ps3 don't get cocky and and that's uh <laughs> that actually made me think of one more thing uh i was talking to one of my buddies ian and we were talking about price point and stuff and he's like well, I just don't see Microsoft uh, cutting their price of the console so much that they would match PlayStation 5's price or even beat it. And I'm like, well, there's one important thing that you're not realizing. Like, Microsoft is a $1 trillion company. Sony is like a uh, couple, I don't know, a few billion. I don't remember exactly how many they are, but they're like a few hundred billion or something like that. That's not even close to comparison to a trillion dollar company. Microsoft can afford to take the loss on the initial investment of the console. And Phil has said on record that he has backing from Satya Nadella, who's the CEO of Microsoft, uh, to make that price point competitive. And Phil said many times he wants to win. With that being said, I, man, as every day we get closer to it, I kind of feel like McCaffrey may not have been as crazy as he said when he said that the price may be less, although I still think that it's going to be they're both going to be 500. He may not be entirely crazy that that they may get a lesser price point. No, I just think we we always have to look at Xbox is so minuscule compared to their software side yes. that it's not really yep. something that they necessarily have to excel on. True. That is true. Um, yeah, I think that kind of rounds out our show. Uh, thank you guys for watching live in, uh, the chat. I know we've had a consistent three watchers throughout the stream. They've been very quiet this entire time. I don't know who you are, but thank you. Appreciate you guys watching. Um, and just as a reminder, you can join us each and every week on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at podcast PXN and Facebook as well. Podcast PXN. And that is it. Thank you guys and much love and keep on gaming. Deuces.